Good morning. It's so great to see you here on this exciting day. Let's all stand up and sing together. Yeah. 
and good morning. And happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. I hope you're having a, a good, stress-free morning. Um, is that possible as a mother? <laughs> anyway, but we're glad to see everyone here worshiping with us this morning. Let's sing it together. How great is our God? Trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Spirit, Son, 
someone near you and children come join us up front for a few moments of sharing. today what is it Eli? are you being sweet to moms yeah okay good all right well I have two notes to read that I have received from my children and I want you to see which one you think I got on Mother's Day okay the first one says mommy I love you when you make me noodle casserole you make me smile when you tell me that I am good at everything you are smart because you can help me with my homework. I love you when you sing to me, if you're happy and you know it. I think you look pretty when you come to church. Not the rest of the time, but anyhow. You make me laugh when you smile at me. I loved it when you taught me how to play the handy-mandy game. I love you most of all because you take care of me. That was one of my notes. Now, I've also received a note like this. Mean mom. <laughs> now, now, which one of these notes do you think I received on Mother's Day? Which one? The sweet one. Because on Mother's Day, we are sweet to our moms, aren't we? I know. All right. Now, today I have brought a few things that remind me, reminds me of my mom. All right, now the first thing is vegetables. Ooh, ooh is right. Ooh, my mom used to make me eat vegetables. Why? Do you, does anyone know why? Does your mom make you eat vegetables? No, no your mom doesn't. Uh-oh. Tomatoes, yeah, I like those. Well, my mom made me eat vegetables because she loved me. She wanted me to grow up and be very strong and healthy. Now, another thing that she always made me do was, well, read books in general. I would go home and my friends would be outside playing and my mom would say, you need to read now, why do you think she wanted me to read? Does anyone know why? 
because she loved me. She wanted me to grow up and be smart and have a lot of knowledge. Now, the other thing that made me think of my mom, a clock, because you know what? My mom wanted to know where I was at all times. If I went to a friend's house, I had to call her when I was, got there. When I went to leave my friend's house, I had to call her and tell her I was coming home. And the reason she did that was because she loved me. She wanted to know that I was safe. Now, another thing, what is this? You probably don't know what this is, Riley. A dustpan. My mother had never heard of child labor laws. I had to clean the house. I had to take the milk bottles when I was a little girl out at 6 a.m. in the morning to the milkman and exchange them for new milk. Oh, I was not a happy camper. But my mom did that to me because she loved me. She wanted to teach me that I had to be responsible and that we had to work together as a family. Now, I know that sometimes your mom can make you very mad, can't you? She makes you do things that she doesn't want, that you don't want to do. Does she make you do that, Caroline? Yeah. Well, the Bible, Eli. Oh, Eli, you picture fit. Okay, well, you know what? Your mom does things and teaches you things because she loves you. And the Bible tells us to listen to our mom's teachings. So, whenever you get mad at your mom, just think, is she doing this because she loves me? And she probably is. Now, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for our mothers. Help us to remember that when we think of our mom as being mean or unfair, she is just showing us how much she loves us. Amen. It is good to see all of you here today, and some of you I know are here in preparation of the um, special program at 10 o'clock, um, presentation by our children's choirs, and that will be something we look forward to. It's going to be right behind you, so what you will need to do at the end of the service today is to uh, do an about face, as we said in ROTC, um, and turn your chair around and, and look at the back. So. Uh, glad that you're here today, and if you are worshiping with us today, we have a, a little bit of an altered schedule for Mother's Day. We have um, that at 10 o'clock. We have a worship service in our sanctuary at 11, and then our afternoon and evening activities uh, are called off so that parents, mothers, and children, and families can be together. Uh, our last Sunday night program of the spring semester will be next Sunday the 15th. Plan to be here, children, that night for our end of the semester party. Also, sign up today for Vacation Bible School. Join us June 5 through 9 from 6 to 7.45 each night at Shake It Up Cafe, where kids carry out God's recipe. You may register at the cafe table 
in the Family Life Center or online at greerchurch.com. Please register as soon as you can. Do you have concerns on your heart for, uh, that need us to join you in prayer? We are glad to do that. Um, if you would write something down on an index card that you don't mind me repeating and raise your hand so we can get you an index card, we'll collect them in a few moments and uh, we will join you in praying with you about concerns that you have. More hands up front. <laughs> I have to tell you my, uh, Bill, there's one behind you. I have to tell you my favorite Mother's Day story. Some of you heard this before, but it uh, is too good not to tell if you haven't heard it. Uh, about 20, 21, 22 years ago, uh, we were living over in Greenville, and um, we had gone to some yard sales, and I had found a 26-inch woman's bicycle. Five bucks I shelled out for that beautiful old thing. Decided I would fix it all up and get it ready, you know, for Penny to be able to ride a 26-inch bicycle because she had a 24-inch I sanded everything, I, I put new paint on it, I bought a new seat, new handlebars, new grips, new, uh, new brakes, it was ready to go. I had done everything except change the old rusty chain, which I oiled and thought, it's metal, it's tough, it'll do okay. The day came for me to go out and test drive the old, uh, the old bicycle, so I got my two small children out in the backyard and Penny was looking there and I, I thought, now, how is it that you used to ride a bike? Oh, yeah, I know. You step with the pedal up, and you push down, and you throw your right leg over. Well, when I did that and stepped down, the chain broke. And when I threw my right leg over, I threw it completely over the handlebars. And I went down on my face, broke my glasses, skint the side of my face. I had met, Somehow I managed to, to get my hand stuck on the um, handlebars, and my legs were against him, and I couldn't get him loose to catch myself, so I saw the ground coming and just had to take it, you know, wham. So it sort of knocked me a little bit, uh, not unconscious, but it did kind of stun me, and so I just lay there for a minute, and Penny came running over to me and said the sweetest words a mother could ever say to her husband, Arthur, get up, you're frightening the children. I've teased her about that for a long time, but, but honestly, mothers, we salute you because you see where her mind was? Everything that happens, including the possible death of her husband, <laughs> was going to impact her children, and that was all that was important, you know. And so we thank you for having that singleness of heart and mind toward your children. Uh, you mothers are indeed the heart of, of every family, and we're, we... Uh, we men know how lucky we are when we have someone who is the, the heart of our home. Uh, do you have your prayer card ready? If so, would you raise them up and we'll collect them now and uh, join you in prayer.
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. We thank you, Lord, for the joy of Christian fellowship, for the little churches that you form in our homes, and for the larger church that you form in the community, where we can come together and both at home and here at church be reminded of your love and care for us. And we are thankful, Lord, that we can catch the faith from each other, that there is a contagious nature to faith, and that when we're together, we can spread the fires of faith from one person to the other. Here are our special prayers for this day. We join people this morning in these prayers. We pray for a cousin who's lost a job. We pray for Della Bell in the Gastonia Hospital and her friends and family who are going through a very difficult time. We pray for a brother and sister-in-law who are going through a difficult time. We pray for Doris Wright in a time of illness, for Senior High Youth Beach Trip next weekend, and we pray for Corey Kinnett's upcoming surgery on May the 25th. We pray for Mike as he gets the results of some tests, for troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones. We pray for Jerry Thompson suffering with a liver disease, for a sister who's going through a tough time, for Luke Hall with asthma, for family and friends looking for work, for jobs. We pray for a safe trip for Jordan who's leaving for Panama tomorrow. We pray for Carrie and John Paul Watson and the, and the baby Watson. Uh, Carrie has been induced due to complications in her pregnancy. We pray for Betty Foster and David Lanier for their health. Lord, these are our special prayers this day and we present them to you and join our, our friends in praying for these special needs, knowing that there's power in our combined prayer. We give you thanks as we pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That's the last Sundays, isn't it? <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about the road to Emmaus. Um, the scripture lesson is Luke 24. Aha! No, 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 no. Uh, I just thought maybe it was over here. That's okay. Luke 24. <laughs> Let's just all look at Stephen. <laughs> here, listen to, listen to the word. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, and as they talked, 
and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walked along together? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Here ends the lesson. Have you ever had that strange experience of being in an unfamiliar place on vacation in the mountains or at the beach and running into somebody you really know quite well but you can't figure out who they are? because they're not where you expect to find them, and you have to scratch your head and say, who is this? Could be a neighbor. Um, something is blinding you in that moment from knowing who that person is. My father was a grocery salesman, and one time I went into the store where he was, and he looked at me and said to the owner of the store, I know I know that little boy from somewhere. My own father. Today in Luke chapter 24, we see two of Jesus' closest friends who failed to recognize him because Jesus was the last person on earth they expected to see on their road, their trip to Emmaus, especially considering the fact that they had just seen Jesus crucified several days earlier. Emmaus is a town located about seven miles from Jerusalem on foot, that's a walk of several hours duration, 
And if you're a runner, like I'm not, uh, it's a little more than a 10K race. It isn't really clear who these two disciples were who were heading that way, either to their home or, or maybe just to get away. Maybe they just were getting away from it all, getting lost in some other location like you and I feel the need to do from time to time. Frederick Buchner, in his book, The Magnificent Defeat, wrote, Emmaus is whatever we do or wherever we go to make ourselves forget that the world holds nothing sacred, that even the wisest and bravest and loveliest decay and die, that even the noblest ideas that people have had, ideas about love and freedom and justice, have always in time been twisted out of shape by selfish people for selfish ends. Emmaus is where we go, where these two went to try to forget about Jesus and the great failure of his life. As I said, we don't know who these two were. They were not on the, uh, the most popular list of, of, uh, of disciples. One of them was named Cleopas, and the other one is unnamed. We're so used to picturing Jesus with his 12 disciples that we forget that the 12 were just the inner circle of his movement. There were always many, many more uh, out there around uh, following him and traveling with him. In Luke 10, we're told that Jesus appointed 72 disciples, 36 teams of two each to carry his message into all the cities he was planning to visit. These teams returned to Jesus after a few days or a few weeks and reported that they had performed miracles in Jesus' name. We're also told that after Jesus' ascension into heaven, there were 120 disciples that met together. And one of their acts of business was to choose between Justice and Matthias two disciples that had been with them from day one, we are told. One of them was chosen to take Judas's place. So Cleopas and the unnamed disciple were traveling on the road to Emmaus to remind us that the number of disciples was far more than 12, and many more than 12 saw Jesus when he was alive. I think we're going to have artwork in a moment. <laughs> Thank you. The fact that they were traveling is a reminder to us all that we all are traveling, aren't we? We're on a journey of faith, and that's the correct slide. Um, they were not only traveling between two cities, but they were also traveling from doubt to faith. And aren't you and I on that same journey today? Isn't that what discipleship is all about? Ours is a journey from doubt to faith always. From self-centeredness to dying to ourselves. From sin to salvation. The two were traveling together. A reminder to us of how vital it is to find fellowship with fellow travelers on our journey because it's a lot easier to work through our questions and doubts when we share our concerns with people that we trust. You know, Smokey the Bear 
used to remind us that you put out a campfire by pouring water on the embers and scattering the separate logs so that no two logs are touching and the fire will go out. And so for us to keep the fires of faith burning, we need to pull the, the logs back together so the flame will return. We need to put ourselves in the company of Christian disciples. Jesus said that where two or more were gathered in his name, there he would be in their midst. Cleopas and the other disciple were traveling together. It is very clear from their conversation that their thoughts were on Jesus and they were therefore together in his name. It shouldn't be all that big a surprise then to see that Jesus showed up. But you and I need to realize that Jesus is as much with us when we're here today, when two or more are gathered in his name, he is here. Listen to their conversation as they travel along. I still can't believe that it was Judas who betrayed Jesus. He and I went to the same synagogue for years. We were close friends. He was the last one that I would have suspected to ever let us down and to fail Jesus. I know better now than to trust that two-faced Simon Peter. Lord, the others might desert you, but not me. No, never. I'll die first. Why didn't we do something to try to save Jesus? We should have started some kind of a diversion. But you know, I didn't really think Jesus needed our help. I kept expecting a miracle. Now he's dead. I guess, unless you believe that fairy tale being told by crazy Mary, from behind them, a stranger approached. He also is heading in the direction of Emmaus. For a few moments, the three traveled along in silence because you don't just bring a total stranger into your conversation. Not the conversation these two were having. You never can tell about strangers. This one might be a close friend of the high priest, you know, and so they just stopped talking. Finally, it was the stranger who broke the silence by asking, what were y'all just talking about? It sounded real interesting. Their forward progress stopped and they stood absolutely still. The stranger had come from the direction of Jerusalem, so how could it be that he doesn't know what happened there Everybody had been talking about that and only that. Cleopas breaks the silence by pointing this out. How could you have been in Jerusalem in these recent days and not known what just happened there? The stranger feigned ignorance and asked, what happened there? There is something about Jesus' dealing with these disciples that's most telling about our Lord. In the first place, he seems to really be having a lot of fun. A Sunday school teacher asked a little child what she thought Jesus' first words were after he was resurrected from the dead. And the little child thought about it a minute and said, Ta-da! Well, that wasn't what Jesus did or said but because uh, he wasn't a show-off. But he does seem to be very playful as he makes his resurrection appearances. He seems to be really enjoying his time. 
Has God ever been lovingly playful with you? Can you imagine God being at all playful with his children? Like my good parents were with me when I was small. Like I was with my two children when they were little and I was doing my best to show them that I loved them. If you had very strict parents who never were playful, you might not be able to accept that image of God. But I assure you that God so enjoys his interactions with us that he can't refrain sometimes from being a bit playful with us. Why else would Jesus playfully ask for them to tell him what had just happened in Jerusalem as if he didn't know? It's also amazing to me that Jesus would take so much time with just two of his disciples. There were hundreds of other Christians who were hurting and afraid, and yet Jesus gave quality time to these two men. Jesus, you see, has plenty of time for you, and he lavishes that time upon you. Perhaps the reason that Jesus asked them to tell about what had happened in Jerusalem is that sometimes we just need to talk. We need to talk to someone that we can trust. There's poison in our souls that needs to be drawn off. And talk therapy is a way for us to do this. Jesus, who knows all, still invites us to pour out our hearts to him. And what is prayer if it isn't talking with God and then listening? Cleopas and the other disciple poured out their hearts to Jesus, telling how devastated they were by the failure of the religious authorities to recognize Jesus as a mighty prophet, how they had crucified Jesus, how they were troubled about the, the story that crazy Mary Magdalene was telling about an empty tomb and angels. There it was, all of it, the anguish of their souls poured out upon this stranger that they had just met. For a man who didn't seem to know anything at all about recent events in Jerusalem, he sure did seem to know an awful, an awful lot about the scriptures. In a way that was not received as harsh criticism, the stranger said, you sure are being foolish and slow of heart to believe what was clearly written in the Old Testament, the prophets. Didn't they say that Christ had to suffer before he entered into his glory? And then the stranger began quoting scripture after scripture from the writings of Moses through the words of the prophets, verses clearly showing how the Christ would have to suffer and die and that he would rise again on the third day. The more he talked, the stronger their faith grew. But then again, we should remember that the scripture is food for our souls. And we ought to eat as often as we can. Cleopas and the other one said that the more the stranger talked, the more their hearts burned within them. Their hearts were strangely warmed, as John Wesley said. What had seemed like an incredibly long and tiresome walk to Emmaus was over too soon, and the stranger acted like he had further to travel. So the two disciples begged the stranger to stay with them a little while longer, to spend the night. Day was almost over, and the stranger 
accepted the invitation, and soon they were seated at the table and sharing a meal together. Hey, stranger, would you return thanks for us? They probably asked because it does seem that the stranger just took charge of that time at the beginning of the meal. Again, notice the playfulness of Christ here. He doesn't reveal himself, telling them his name. He just repeated what they had seen several nights earlier at the Last Supper. Picking up the bread the same way, breaking it the same way, and handing it to them in the same way. He didn't say it, but he might as well have said, this is my body, eat this in remembrance of me. It was deja vu. And in that moment, the disciples recognized who Jesus was. And in that same moment, Jesus vanished from sight. Night was rapidly falling. It was at least two hours at dead run back to Jerusalem. But these two didn't hesitate for a minute. Finishing their run about the time that darkness fell on the land, they ran into the upper room where the rest of the disciples had gathered and they were just all sharing the good news that Simon Peter had seen the resurrected Christ. And they happily added their Easter story, Easter Sunday story, to their worship service that night. Again, where two were gathered in his name, Jesus was there in the midst. And then Jesus was there visibly saying, peace be with you. Since that first day of resurrection, Christians have been meeting to study the scriptures, especially to see how they applied to Jesus' fulfillment of them. We've grown stronger through Bible study, through Christian fellowship, finding that Jesus is with us whenever we gather in his name. We've recognized his presence as we have broken the bread of his body and received the wine of his blood, which he offered for us and for all of humankind for the forgiveness of sin. So this story has never ended. It continues to our day. And we're all invited to come to know God through the playfulness of Jesus Christ and through Christian fellowship. We're invited to receive forgiveness of our sins that comes from Jesus' body and blood being broken and poured out for us. Let's all head toward Emmaus. Let's get on that road again. Amen. Oops, I went too far. <laughs> there we go. I invite you, thank you Andy for running home and getting there. Uh, I invite you all to stand as we affirm our faith in God using the words of uh, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Please be seated and let us worship God by giving.
these days we all stand in judgment for every single word that we have spoken one of these days we all stand before the Lord give a reason for everything we've done and what I've done is trust in Jesus my great deliverer my strong defender the son of God I trust in Jesus blessed Redeemer my Lord forever the Holy One the Holy One what are you is done and there's nothing you can stand on what will you have to say at the judgment throne well I already know the only thing that I can say I trust in Jesus my great deliverer my strong defender, the Son of God, I trust in Jesus, blessed Redeemer, my Lord forever, the Holy One. There's nothing I can do on my own to find forgiveness. By His grace alone, I trust in Jesus, trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus, my great deliverer, my strong defender, the Son of God. I trust in Jesus, blessed Redeemer, my Lord forever, the Holy One. I trust in Jesus.
empty hands held high Such small sacrifice If not joined with my life I sing in vain tonight May the words I say And the things I do Make my life song sing Bring a smile to you
now may you go forth in peace as you journey toward Emmaus, as you travel with companions who will help you grow from doubt to belief. chairs around. 